This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Thursday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. We've got lots to go over. Three games last night, a line brawl, so much to get into. But I wanted to take the opportunity to talk to Jamie Hirsch. Now, if you are a fan of hockey, I'm sure you've watched On the Fly, of course. You can watch it every night, NHL Network's nightly recap show, On the Fly. And it features highlights, interviews, analysis, and Jamie is the host. And if you listen to Game Misconduct every single day, if you're a hockey fan, I'm sure you know all that because the NHL is your go-to station. And Jamie's nice enough to join us here on Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. It is a pleasure to finally get a chance to talk to you, Jamie. Well, thanks so much for having me, and uh, you know we can't get enough hockey coverage in the New York area, so it's great to, to spread the love. Yeah, and I just get the sense, it just kind of bleeds through the television screen just how much you really love the sport, and, and I know doing some research, I guess you're from Minnesota and you grew up a hockey fan, but I can really just tell your love of sports, your baseball, because you do a lot with the baseball network and hockey, and it just really shows through just how much you love the sport. Well, that's great to hear because I definitely do love the sport. And, yes, I'm from Minnesota, and they love to call themselves the state of hockey. And, uh, you know, at this time of year, pretty much every pond turns into a hockey rink. So it's, it's great to finally have the opportunity to cover the sport on a national level. And then also, as you mentioned, uh, MLB Network is kind of the sister network of NHL Network. And it worked out perfectly because before this, I was in Minnesota. I was covering the Twins on the baseball side of things, and I was covering the Wild on the hockey side. So this is the perfect opportunity for me, and it's, it's worked out really well. Yeah, it's cool. And, and just being able to follow the sport you know, nationally and getting into all 31 teams now. And so far, we've almost hit the quarter pole. Uh, we've got teams playing between 16 and 20 games. So as you've gone through this show working every day, what, what's some of the stories that's really popped over here through the first 20 games of the season? Well, I think the, the biggest story so far has definitely been the Vegas Golden Knights. I don't think anybody even thought they'd have a chance at, at making the playoffs, and I know we're so early to be talking about that. But, you know, actually, as you mentioned, kind of the quarter pole coming up here, uh, the statistics are crazy in terms of if teams are in the playoff picture, if they're in the top eight by Thanksgiving, it's like an 80% chance that they will indeed be in the playoffs come April. So it's not that crazy early to be looking at the playoff picture. And the Vegas Golden Knights are right there in the hunt. So um, they have been so fun to watch. And I just I love everything about that team. I love that different guys every night are playing with a chip on their shoulder because somebody is playing against their old team that you know left them unprotected or, and whatnot. So um, they've been so fun to watch. I think if they can get their goaltending figured out, Nobody's had worse luck goaltending wise than they have. So, oh my God. Um, yeah, it's crazy. And then the other night, you know, Legacy kind of went down for a second. And we said, Are you kidding me? Is this guy actually hurt too? So, um, I think Flurry is working his way back. And I heard that Suban is uh, a little closer even than Flurry. So, hopefully, they get that figured out and learn how to win on the road. And the other story for me is. Edmonton and Toronto, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we went into this season thinking those are two teams on a collision course for the final. Toronto's been okay, but you know, Edmonton has really struggled a bit. And you just wonder for Edmonton's sake, because that American Thanksgiving is so important, right? The teams that are usually out of the playoffs come Thanksgiving sometimes don't make it back in. So would you be concerned that maybe we just we had a little bit too much love for Edmonton, or do you think there's still time for them to turn it around? 
I do think there's still time, um, just maybe because of their their schedule in the Pacific. I know the Pacific is is hard right now, but I, I'm not totally buying Vancouver. I'm not totally buying Calgary. So I think that you know, especially playing Arizona five times a year and teams like that, um, Anaheim is so banged up that they're not exactly um, great right now. I think Edmonton can still turn it around. Um, I would never bet against Connor McDavid after seeing what he's done the last couple seasons. Um, but there definitely is reason for concern. I mean, he can't carry the team uh, himself. And you know, we mentioned Vegas and how fun they've been to watch. But of course, it was Edmonton that just. Like handled them a couple of nights ago. I think it was 8-2 was the final score there. So I would say that Edmonton is probably going to sneak in. I, I would not bet that they would win the division. I think the Kings look great in that division. Um, but I would, I would say I'd be shocked if the Oilers weren't in the playoffs come April. Yeah, I think I'm with you too. And, and, and just the speed of this league, and you see the teams that are really – so fast, especially here in the Eastern Conference, has just been so impressive that when Edmonton came here, they seemed to really be able to handle everybody's speed. The other thing mm-hmm. that I find interesting, and I'm sure you deal with them a lot too, is the Washington Capitals. You know, what's the matter with the Capitals? This just a team that's just kind of laying in the weeds, realizing, you know what, winning the President's Trophy is probably not the best idea going into the playoffs. Or right. are there legitimate concerns around this Capital team? Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, it was before the start of last season, I was reading an article, um, I believe in the Washington Post, about the Capitals and just how their owner and their GM both really saw their window of opportunity to win a championship as two years. So that was before last season, which means now, you know, they probably don't want to reiterate that to cause panic, but that means that this season kind of could be the last one. I mean, it's got so many big-name players whose deals are going to be up soon. Um, Oshie and, you know, they've they've just got so many question marks going forward. They already lost Justin Williams last year. And so uh, I think it's kind of the feeling of it's now or never for Washington. And at this point, you're right. I mean, making the playoffs, winning the President's Trophy, nothing – is good enough until you actually at least get to the conference final. And I think that's been the most shocking thing to me year after year is seeing how dominant the Capitals are and how great a player Alex Ovechkin is, and then to know that he has never even been to the conference final in his amazing career. I mean, that stinks if you're a Capitals fan. So hopefully they can get some redemption. I know I'm talking to a lot of Ranger fans here uh, in your audience, so uh, they probably would be fine if the Capitals don't, but... It, it'll be an interesting storyline to watch. Uh, you know what? I, 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 this may sound crazy. I, I would trade Ovechkin. I would honestly think about doing wow. that. I mean, he's been here for a long time. You can get a lot for him, kind of like a Herschel Walker deal. You probably, uh, maybe you're too young to remember the Viking-Dallas trade in the NFL when Herschel Walker was traded to the Vikings. But, you know, he's been here for so long. It just hasn't worked. And I know it sounds crazy, but sometimes you've got to react a different way. They've changed coaches. They've changed general managers. They've changed goaltenders. They've gotten all different types of players. If not now, when? And I know it sounds crazy, and you probably think I'm nuts, but sometimes you've got to do what's necessary. And I just think that he would command such a huge trade and really change the face of a franchise. And you haven't even made to the conference final. Yeah. I mean, that's. That is a hot take right there. I'm impressed. Um, I haven't heard that from really anyone, but I think that's really great. And, I mean, you're right in the sense that they could command a lot. You know, it helps that now he's off to another really strong start because last year was 
definitely a down year for him. I think he ended up with 32, 33 goals, far below what he's used to. Um, and Nicholas Backstrom actually scored more goals than he did last year, which I think that was the first time that it ever happened uh, since those who started playing together. So you're right. I mean, now that he's kind of shown that he that last year was a fluke and that this year he's back and ready to score crazy goals, um, it would be really interesting to see him. Where would you say he should go? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I'd have to look at all the different cap uh, <laughs> ramifications of it. I just, you know, because the thing is, he's a winger, right? And I have this conversation with EJ Raddick. He joins me every Monday. And you, of course, know EJ. You work with him at the mm-hmm. NHL Network. And you build up the middle with centers, with defensemen, with goaltenders. And, you know, Crosby can make players around him better. You know, Ovechkin at the wing position. So I'd have to just find a team that, I mean, you know, unfortunately Edmonton's got no cap space. So I think right. he would work great there because they just, they desperately need wingers. But I don't know. It's such a hot take, Jamie. I kind of need a second stage to kind of cool fair. off and then really look at it logically. <laughs> but I have talked about it a while. And maybe uh, as we get closer to the deadline, I'll, I'll try to uh, figure that out. Let's talk about your wild. Um, they've been interesting because Dubnik off to the slow start, kind of fluky goals, and now he's got three consecutive shutouts. And I'm not yeah. sure they've got a tremendous amount of offense, but you know, since they're kind of a warm place in your heart for the Wild, what do you think of what they've done so far this year? Yes, they're my hometown team. I worked for the team for a few years, so I'm definitely you know a proud homer, and I I talk about it all the time because you know I, I I cover all 31 teams. I like to think equally and and neutrally, but. Um, if you know, I mean, we're all working in sports because we love sports. So I'm a fan first, and definitely a fan of the Wild. But uh, it's been it's been really interesting. You know, I I feel like they really need a star. Um, they don't have one player, and the reason they had such success last year was just because all of their guys overperformed, frankly. And so if they need kind of a, a marquee scorer, like an elite scorer, and if they if they don't get that I'm not quite sure that this team is going to go much farther than than maybe a first round playoff uh, appearance and and exit so Dubnik's great I I really like him he's a he's a good guy he's shown that he's an elite goalie at times um, but I'll I'll be interested to see if he can put a full complete season together because even last year basically after the all-star break in the mid-February he really tailed off and and it cost him a a shot at the Vezna he wasn't even a Vezna Mm -hmm. finalist which this time last year everyone said oh Dubnik's got to be up there you know top top one or two goalies in the league so um yeah we'll see it was such an interesting story with you know Jason Zucker scoring six straight team goals this past week um so it's good to see that somebody else can light the lamp now uh, it'll be interesting to see if Zach Parisi comes back at all this season. Mm-hmm. I know he's had a lot of issues with his back. Um, but they're definitely a question mark for me. And, you know, they're right in the mix, too. But it I don't know. Unless they really start going on the run here, um, that's a tough division to get back into. St. Louis looks really good. Uh, you know, Chicago's always in the mix. And Nashville, too. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on with Chicago. Got a chance to see them last night against the Rangers, and they poured it on in the third period. But, God, that team just doesn't look right, and I can't put my finger on it. I mean, Kane's healthy, Taves healthy, Sharp, Anisimov had the hat trick last night. Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering beyond Seabrook and and Keith whether they've got, like, a championship-caliber D. It seems they give up a lot of odd-man rushes. They rely a lot on Corey Crawford. So I'm just wondering if it's the back end of that D that's been a problem for Chicago. 
Yeah, that, that's a good um, thought because, you know, it is kind of a, a head-scratcher. And, I mean, the first thing you look at what's different than last year, what's different from last year, and I think the biggest difference is they have no Panarin, um, which I don't know if anyone really thought that he'd make this kind of a difference, uh, having or not being with Chicago, but um, that's part of it. But I think you're right. The D is, is an even bigger problem. And they've had such violent swings in the middle of games where they'll have a lead and they'll give it up. Um, or they'll be down and then they'll suddenly come surging back. And it's really hard to put a finger on the identity of the Blackhawks right now. All right, got a few tweets for you if you're interested. Um, Spencer wants to know, for both of us, but I'll let you take the floor here, what are your earliest and fondest memories of your first hockey game you ever attended? Huh. Well, I mean, I I actually, you know, I was kind of in that that weird area of time when – Minnesota didn't have a hockey team, right? So mm. when I was growing up, the North Stars had already left. The Wild hadn't come yet. And so uh, I didn't go to any professional hockey games until much later. But I had um, plenty of experience going to high school hockey games, uh, gopher hockey games. College hockey is huge in Minnesota. And um, so I can't even point to really what was my actual first one. But I do remember my first Wild game. And just how exciting that was and how I, you know, hockey's fun to watch on TV, but it's so different going in person. And if I ever meet people who are kind of like, eh, I'm not really a hockey fan, I would say, just just go to a game. You'll thank me later because it's, it's a whole different experience there. And um, and that's, that's part of why I love hockey is because I've been lucky to go to so many. Um, I will say this definitely wasn't my first, but one of the biggest memories I have best memories I have um, of a hockey game was the stadium series game a couple years ago in Minnesota. So it was wild Blackhawks. Minnesota had been clamoring for an outdoor game for years and years and years. They finally got it and I got to cover it for NHL network. And that was just a dream come true moment. So um, to see, you know, my favorite team playing against the Blackhawks and even the alumni game the night before Mike Madano, um, Darby Hendrickson, Andrew Burnett. I mean, there were just so many great names on the ice that, that that's one memory that I will always remember fondly. That was going to be one of my questions. Since working at the NHL Network, what has been your oh God moment? Like, what has been your I can't believe that I'm doing this moment? And so, that sounds like it might have been it. Yeah, that that was it. And, you know, it was great because the NHL actually asked if I could do the intermission reports kind of from, you know, on the Jumbotron from, from the field flash rink because it was in a football stadium um but that was so cool too and just to be back in minnesota minnesota minnesotans really love their own and so the, mm. the amount of support that i got just being there from all the people who said you know we watch all the time my hl network is great like that was just such a heartwarming experience um to be back home and and cover that kind of a game there jack likes to know or wants to know how do you think college hockey has enriched the current nhl Oh, I think it's huge. Uh, you know, it it used to be where hardly any guys in the NHL played college hockey, and now, especially in the U.S., if you look at Team USA um, throughout the years, the past Olympics and World Championships, I mean, the percentage has to definitely be a majority um, of guys that played college hockey, and it is different. Um, but I will tell you, coming from Minnesota, the passion is is equal. Um, there are people in Minnesota that don't really even care about the NHL, which is kind of crazy to me, but they love their gopher hockey or, you know, the Mankato State Mavericks or the UMD Bulldogs. And so I, I love college hockey. It's 
you know, obviously slightly different, but it's kind of like the debate between college football and, and the NFL. They're so different. Um, and yet each has its own distinct charm. You, know, you get the marching band that comes out to the hockey rink, and that's it's hilarious to mm-hmm. me, but it's it's a great experience. Uh, Jake says, I know the All-Star Game is not here yet, but wanted to get your thoughts on the All-Star Game format. Do you think four-team, three-on-three format, or would you like to see something different? I love the four teams, uh, the division aspect of it all um and i love the three on three uh last year was fun the first year in nashville when they tried that new format i mean that was electric I, it was it was so crazy and i remember thinking how amazing it is that they could have the same format for four different games and or three different games and uh have such different results there was one that was like 10 7 or something and then the next one was two to one so it just shows um, you know, how much variety there can be depending on who you have on the ice in three-on-three format. And I think it keeps people's attention a lot longer. I think there's a lot of pride on the line, you know, kind of being within your own division. And obviously the million-dollar prize uh, is great too. But I really love the all-star game format, and I can't wait to be in Tampa this year. Talking to Jamie Hirsch, of course, from the NHL Network on the fly. It features all the highlights, interviews, and analysis. And it's a great way to recap if you can't watch all the games. And it's a great place to sit down be able to catch up on everything that happened in the NHL. You guys break it down real well. So I'm going to put a real uh, test. I'm going to feed to the fire here. Enough with the niceties. Let's get right down to it. Which analyst do you like working with the best there? <laughs> Which analyst do I like working with the best? <laughs> um, you know, i got to say, Kevin, he's my guy. He's the face of NHL Network, in my opinion, and he's been there so long. He's so locked in, and he, I mean, you think that he never has a day off because he is on the air a lot, but even if he's on the air that night, he's at the Garden all the time. He's at the Prudential Center watching the Devils all the time. So he's he's there because he wants to, to see, you know, how the team's doing, but he also wants to foster the relationships that make him such a great analyst. And so, you know, if you watch our show, whether it's NHL Tonight or On the Fly, there's so many times where someone might be hurt and he's like, oh, let me text the equipment guy and ask what the status is. Oh, let me text, you know, the, the strength coach or something. You know, there's so many connections that he has, um, and he works really hard at keeping up those connections, that he's one of the most locked-in analysts um, in terms of, of relationships and knowledge that I know. And so it's so fun. And also he's just such a funny personality. I mean, we have this whole – thing called a weekionary because like a dictionary but for weeks he's saying because he has so many different funny things that he says all the time um you know if someone's freaking out about something he calls them panica patrick that's one of my favorites um so he's he's just a beauty to work with for sure all right you got to settle a bet for me because when i covered him when he played i remember there was a game i forget who he's playing for because he played for everybody and I go into the locker room to interview him after the game, and he's stripping off his equipment and not a bead of sweat on his body. I, I, I just could not believe he had just played an NHL game and didn't sweat. So I go on the air, and I'm, I'm talking to Michael K because I do the K show during the week, and I'm talking about how Kevin Weeks doesn't sweat. I get a text message from EJ saying, that story is a complete lie. The, the studio's got to be 40 degrees when he's on. Uh, so I don't know if I just got it wrong or whether something's changed in his life, but which is it? Does he does he not sweat? Does he sweat? Because DJ oh, swears it's like got to be 35 degrees in the studio. Yeah, I'm sorry to tell you this, but EJ is spot on. <laughs> when I work with Weeksy, i got to wear long sleeves, sometimes uh, pants instead of a dress, because he. I've actually heard him request 
to have the studio at 54 degrees. That is colder than a wow. hockey rink sometimes. So, like, what are we doing? But, yeah, he, he loves it to be cold. And uh, I don't know why he wouldn't have been sweating when he saw it because, yeah, he's, uh, he has a special form of sweat. I don't know. He, that guy's always sweating, and I love it. Yeah. No, he's the best. He's a, he's a great guy. And, and you're doing a terrific job. I'd love to be able to get you on more regularly. If there's anything you ever want to promote or just talk about yeah. the league, uh, feel free. We do this every day. Okay. Well, thanks so much for having me. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what these New York teams do, too. I don't know. I'm an early believer in the Devils, and the Rangers look like they might be coming back, too. Dan and the Islanders have been good too. So yeah. listen, you because you know what I go through, right? Because you you're on the NHL Network. Oh, you don't talk about my teams enough. You talk about this team too much. Well, <laughs> the, the, this podcast just went like national, so it's all over the entire ESPN platform now. That's so right. when I talk too much Rangers, Islanders, and Devils, I get ripped. I got one guy who tweets me constantly that I don't talk enough about the St. Louis Blues. So you probably can feel my pain. So we tried to keep it a little bit more national. But if you ever want to talk about Devils, Rangers, Islanders, whatever, feel free. We'd love to have you again. Well, thanks so much, John. All right. Good luck. That's Jamie Hirsch, of course, from the NHL Network. On the fly every night on the NHL Network. Does a great job breaking it down, analyzing all of the different plays. So it was good to get her on from Minnesota, big Twins fan, and maybe not a big Wild fan anymore. She doesn't want to get pigeonholed into that because there's 30 other teams to cover in the National Hockey League. But uh, tremendous job out of her. I was glad that we were able to get a couple of minutes with her. All right, last night, Rangers 6-3 loss to the Blackhawks. They snapped their six-game losing streak. Um, my analysis, and I, I didn't do this game. I did the pre and the post, and Jordan sent a tweet. Well, Don, I've waited over a week now for you to see the Hawks in person. What did you see? Also, not sure how much you follow college hockey, but what program do you but produces the best players? Uh, thanks for taking the time every day to interact with the fans. Well, you know, the Sioux, the Fighting Sioux, obviously produce a lot of hockey players. Michigan, those are the ones that kind of pop uh, into my head. But more specific, and I didn't get to see Jordan, the uh, Blackhawks, in person because I was doing it back in the studio. But we talked about it a little bit with Jamie. Uh, it's too Jekyll and Hyde. I thought the ice at the United Center was really bad. The puck was bouncing all over the place. They're, both teams really struggled, I thought, to get maybe quality opportunities early. And then the puck started bouncing Chicago's way. But um, they they can score. And we saw that in the Devil game. We saw that in the Ranger game. Uh, Crawford, I thought, was spectacular. Um, the Rangers could have gotten away early in the game, but Crawford made some big saves. Uh, he wasn't one of the stars because he, he only had to make 26 saves, but I thought some of them were really high quality. But I think the back end of that blue line, we talked about it before, you can't lose over the uh, – since they won the Cup in 2010, you lose Bufflin, you lose um, Johnny Oduya, you lose Jomerson. There's just a lot of guys that you lost on that blue line. I think it's shining through. Once you get Keith and Seabrook, I think sometimes – it's a little Jekyll and Hyde. And also, let's not forget that uh, this is a team that is uh, you know, a little banged up with a lot of young kids, too. So let's not forget that. Uh, Kevin says, at this point, who do you think won the Hall for Larson trade, Devils or Edmonton? Both, I think, are pretty happy. Hall's been uh, scoring for a team that, up until this year, had problems scoring goals. Um, Larson, to me, Dave brought this up when we were calling the game. He needs to have a little bit more of a presence. He's still young. Um, I, I think the jury is still out, Kevin, but I will say this, that the risk that you take by trading a defenseman for a winger is substantial. You build up the middle. We've talked about that a lot. And when you trade a defenseman, especially a young one, 
for a winger, sometimes that can always favor the team that gets the defender, and especially since Edmonton was so desperate for defense. But the Devils were desperate for offense, so I understood the deal. We'll see. It's pretty much even right now. I think both teams would like to get a little bit more out of who they have, but um, I always liked Edmonton's end of that because they desperately needed a blue line help. Uh, Five-minute major, hey, Don. I always liked Anisimov. I always learned. I also learned that he is one of only two Russian-born players to score a hat trick for the Hawks. The other, Panarin. How about that? I didn't realize that either. And how about the hat trick? All goals coming in the third period. Uh, Ricky says Kyle Turris has come in and made himself Kevin Fiala and the and Craig Smith a pretty scary second line for the Preds in short order. In all of the NHL, with midseason center acquisition, has made the biggest impact that you can recall. Those streaks end tonight. Whose streak ends tonight, Nashville or Minnesota? And it's going to talk about, uh, um, I, I have a feeling Dubnik's going to keep this going. But you know what? Nashville has just been really good. Um, but what midseason center acquisition? I'd have to think about it because usually you don't get that impactful a player. You know, you look at the Duchesne trade that you just mentioned, and, of course, you trade a couple of centers away. Um, I remember, you know, Vernet's kind of bounced around as a center. It's a, it's a good question. I have to think about that um, because that is, without question, the, the position that you want to acquire. Sam Diaz says, with Hank turning 36 next year, is it possible the Rangers would move him in an offseason deal and eating some of his salary? Should they strongly consider drafting a goalie in the first round? I love Hank, but the signs are there that his best days are gone. I'm not sure how much you can eat a salary in the National Hockey League. I have to double-check that because of the salary cap. Would it make sense to get out from under, draft a young goaltender? But I'll tell you this. Goaltenders take a little time to mature. So if you draft a goaltender, you saw what happened with Rick DiPietro, first pick overall, there are going to be growing pains. So if the Rangers are going to be in full-blown rebuild and you want to have, say, a veteran and then draft a, 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 a goaltender, I don't think the Rangers have an appetite to do that just yet. But forget about it, Sam, as far as whether it makes hockey sense, whether they ever do it. They're not going to do it. He's the face of the franchise. I think the Rangers and Madison Square Garden like having him as the face, something to market, um, having him finish his career here. Now, I'm not saying that when his contract is up, he may want to move on someplace else the way Marty did uh, to St. Louis. Uh, But... I think right now they want him to play out his contract, and then they'll make a decision at that time. Plus, I don't know if anybody is going to want Hank. And when I say that, I don't mean that they wouldn't want a quality goaltender. It's just that's a lot of money to pick up. And I just don't think you can make that work. So I understand what you're getting at. It kind of makes sense. It's kind of like what the Giants are going through with Eli Manning at quarterback. You love him. You appreciate the things that he's been able to accomplish here. But you look at his age. You look at the money on the salary cap, and you ask yourself, is that something that is going to help this team move forward? But there's a lot of other ramifications, and I don't think it's going to happen. I want to get back to Spencer's tweet because we asked about earliest and fondest memories of the first hockey game you attended, and we let Jamie have the floor. Mine, it was a little late in life, um, I, but I remember the date. It was February 22nd, 1987. That was the first hockey game that I went to, so the 30th anniversary just passed. And my buddy had devil tickets, and it was a devil Islander game at – uh, I guess that time was Brendan Byrne Arena. And we were able to bounce around because there weren't that many people in the building. And got to watch at ice level, fell in love with the sport. Devils lost 6 nothing, but one of my fondest memories of it, not that it's a fond memory, but it's a jarring memory, that a, a goal went in off of Claude Loisel's head. <laughs> so you would think that that would turn me off, but 
I just fell in love with the sport, and that was the first game I ever attended, February 22nd, 1987. Marcelo says, with the 2017 Hall of Fame inductees announced, any thoughts on who gets inducted next year? I see Brodeur as a first ballot lock, maybe St. Louis also as a first ballot guy. It's interesting. Um, Alexander McGilney, I think, has to be put in that conversation as well. Um, I'd have to take a look at it again just to see. I did look at it the other day, but the names aren't popping into my head at all. But uh, St. Louis, I think, would get uh, major consideration. But uh, Marty Brodeur is going to be just an absolute lock. There's no question about that. Uh, Jeremy says, with all of the recent talk about Eric Carlson on the podcast, do you still think he is considered underrated? What do you consider when you talk about underrated in hockey? How much does the market they play in have to do with it? I think it has a lot to do with it. If if Carlson had because I think Eric Carlson is the best defenseman in the league, but the guys that get a lot of talk, who gets a lot of talk? Brett Burns, big shot, big beard, plays for the San Jose Sharks, played in the Stanley Cup final. Drew Doughty, Drew Doughty, no question, is a great defenseman. Plays in the Los Angeles Kings, won a couple of Stanley Cups, played a lot of games on national television. Um, Gostaspear has gotten a lot of love early in his career. Great defenseman. Candidate for Rookie of the Year a couple of years ago. Where does he play? The Philadelphia Flyers, a big hockey market in the United States. Plays a lot of games on national television, a lot of games on NBC Sports Now, a lot of games on NBC's Game of the Week on Saturdays. Eric Carlson is a guy who plays for Ottawa. Um, that's a team that was having trouble selling out playoff games last year. Um, it's wedged between Montreal and Toronto, two original six franchises. How often do you see the Ottawa Senators on national television here in the States? You got to see them a little bit when they went to the conference final last year, and it's not surprising that that's when everybody started talking about Carlson because now he's playing games on in, in, in national television, playing it at a big level. So where you plays big. I always said that if Marty Brodeur played for the Rangers instead of the Devils, there'd be a statue outside Madison Square Garden for Marty Brodeur. So, yeah, where you play is a big deal. Now, we love our sport, and we talk a lot about this sport, so I don't real, I, I treat all 31 teams equally. But let's face it, around the country, the exposure you're going to get. Would Derek Jeter be Derek Jeter if he played for the Pittsburgh Pirates? You know, um, football's a little bit different because all the teams in the NFL seem to get that national exposure, so Peyton Manning could become a star playing in Indianapolis. Um, but... And basketball is a little different because it's such a star-driven sport. But in the regional-type sports like baseball and hockey, where you play is always going to be very, very important. Let's take a look at the games that are coming up tonight. Devils and the Maple Leafs, that's an interesting matchup, too, as the Devils continue their road trip. Hurricanes and the Islanders are very interested to see the Hurricanes. Again, they've only played 16 games this year, a couple of games above 500. The Hard Luck Coyotes will be in Montreal to take on the Canadians, who are looking again to get back to NHL 500. Rematch of the conference final last year, Penguins and the Senators from Ottawa. Lightning play host to the Stars. That's a tough spot for Dallas, with the Lightning playing so well at 14-2-2. We talked about it during the tweets. We got the Predators and the Wild. Dubnik, three consecutive shutouts. The Predators have been hot since the trade. Philadelphia looking for some offense. Going up against the red or hot Winnipeg Jets team in Winnipeg at 9 o'clock. The Capitals trying to find their way, taking on the Colorado Avalanche in Colorado at 9. Edmonton against the St. Louis Blues. Edmonton with a big win at home, and now they're home again after that long road trip. Uh, the Golden Knights will be in Vancouver to take on the Canucks. That should be interesting. Tough spot. 
spot for the Bruins, banged up, second of back-to-backs going up against the Los Angeles King team that has lost three in a row, and the Sharks and the Panthers from San Jose. So we got a lot of hockey to get to and dive into tomorrow. Tomorrow we'll have our top five, so if you want to tweet at me your top five of the week, at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. We'll go over all the games tonight. I'll be doing it live from, not live, we'll be taping from Columbus because I'm going to be doing the Ranger Blue Jacket game tomorrow, so we'll dive into that. Thanks to Jamie Hirsch from the NHL Network. Don't forget to watch NHL on the fly during the course of the week on the NHL Network. She does a tremendous job, and of course, she'll have all the coverage for the All-Star Game. She'll be on the road during the finals, so it was nice to finally get to know and talk to Jamie Hirsch. So talk to you again tomorrow. Again, we'll have our top five, recap all the games, and if you need to get in touch with me, at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. This has been the Thursday edition of Game Misconduct. Thanks for listening to the Game Misconduct Podcast. Looking for more Don LaGreca? Hear him on the Michael K. Show weekdays from 3 to 7 p.m. on 98.7 ESPN in New York and worldwide on the ESPN app. And don't forget to subscribe to the Game Misconduct Podcast on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.